you are our shepherd, the good shepherd, and you have revealed yourself to us in Jesus as one who loves us, who cares for us, who leads us along your paths to streams of water, to green fields and pastures, your goodness and abundance. Lord, thank you that we know that is who you are in Jesus. And we, as your children, as part of your the body of Christ, we are yours. And we come to you in gratitude, in love, surrendering our lives to you, that we would love you and love others because of your great love for us first. And we pray for this world that is in deep need of knowing you as the good shepherd. May it be that this world would know you your great love and redemption in Jesus. May it be that this world would, would, would exemplify who you are and your character in justice and righteousness, near and far, in peace and shalom and wholeness and flourishing the way you have designed this world. We think of one place that needs your wholeness and peace and shalom today. We pray for that quietly now. Thank you for your promise that one day your peace and wholeness will be everywhere as new heaven and new earth are come together. In the meantime, Lord, open our ears today to hear your word that we become more and more your people and your ambassadors transformed by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. If you are just joining us, welcome. We are going through a, a series this spring in Psalms. So today we're going to focus in on Psalm 16, Psalm of David. Hear now the word of God. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are noble ones in whom is all my delight. And those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You Make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Has anyone ever been stuck in the friend zone? Friend zone? A few people in here know what I'm talking about. For those that might be a wee bit older, I googled it for you. I'd love to explain to you what the friend zone is because it is a real thing. It has a definition. In popular culture, a friend zone is a situation in which one member of a friendship wishes to enter into a romantic relationship while the other does not. It is generally considered to be an undesirable or dreaded situation by the rejected person. This sense of zone is one of being stuck in an unwanted and distant relationship. The rejected person is said to have been put in the object of their affection's friend zone, and this can be verbified as in the sentence, so she friend zoned you. I so wish I had this term when I was in high school because, my friends, I was so in the friend zone. And I was the rejected, dreaded person. I dreaded the entire, I mean, it, it was so complicated, right? These male, female, what is it? I don't know, high school badness, drama. But he was so cute, you guys. He was like, I mean, he was quiet and humble, but he was like an all-star athlete. I mean, he was just so cool. And he literally thought I was like a really, really good friend. <laughs> That's what he thought. So really, our time during the year, um, this is like freshman year, I remember getting off the school bus and literally running, I mean, not, not a runner, okay? I'm running to my house because he had swim practice every day at 4 o'clock. So I had a window of 2.45 to 3.45 that I had this guy on my phone that was connected to my wall in my room. Um, so I had to run to get to my phone, um, and I would literally run past um, all the other friends getting off the bus. They would try and talk to me, and I was like, too bad, I'm out. I have a place to be. And it was there that we would talk every single day for an hour at least on the phone. And it was till our, I felt like we were really we were really connecting. I really felt like we were. <laughs> I felt like we were in a really good place until that day that he said, "You know, you give really good advice." And I said, "I know. I know." Like and he said, I'd love to talk to you about Amy, the soccer player. I'm thinking about, I know, I know. Friend zone, how do you think I should ask her to prom, he says. <laughs> this didn't really sound as bad when I wrote it down, but now I'm really starting to feel, yeah, the dread. <laughs> the dread. So I stayed. I stayed in the friend zone. I stayed there and I continued to run every day. 
because in my head, even though it tore at me, I still felt like it was better than nothing. It was better than being alone. I still was getting some acknowledgement, some meaning from him, even though it wasn't me that he wanted. And as I recognized, reading through this psalm and again and again over the last week, the question kept coming to me, what are we running after? What are we running after? Because I started running out of fear. What if I didn't answer the phone? What if he stopped calling? What if he really did find somebody else? What if, what if, what if? But in all of this running and this pursuit of this relationship that was still fine, but less than, it became the meaning of my life. It was all I thought about and all I worried about and everything I stressed about. This word running in the psalm, it literally means to pant. That there's this high level of anxiety that we're running toward these things that we think are going to help us. And we get there hoping that maybe this time it'll be different. Hoping that maybe he would change his mind or hoping maybe he'd see me in the way that he saw her. So the psalmist starts out, David starts out, and he goes, help me, oh God, rescue me. I need a safe place. Save me from this life of running all over to these places that aren't getting me anywhere. He said, I'm looking around, and these other people are going to these idols, and they're drinking from cups that are only leading to badness, and it's leading to pain upon pain upon pain. It's leading them nowhere. Why do we spend so much time running to the wrong places? I think so much of it is because we're so desperate for a plan. We want to know what's going to happen, right? Every single day, I promise you, my beautiful three-year-old and six-year-old, they come to me in the morning and they go, Mommy, what is the plan today? What is the plan? And I have to go through it. Okay, we're going to have breakfast, and we're going to brush teeth, right? Everybody's going to brush teeth, and then we're going to go to school. We're going to come back. They want to know the plan, and after I tell the plan, it's like, oh, okay, I'm good. I got this. I can take this thing called life today. I've got this nailed. And then I come here, and I sit day after day with all of you who go, what is the plan? What is the plan for my life? And it's the question that we all ask because we're looking for solid ground that we can stand on. If I know where I'm going, I will rest secure. I'll feel like I can start, stop running. So we go to the Lord and we say, okay, Lord, what is the plan? I'm here. I'm ready. And I hate to break it to you, but throughout Scripture, over and over and over, the plan is simply this, death, death. The scripture tells us that everything in this world is passing away. Everything is fleeting. We are on the same trajectory, just a little bit slower as the flowers are in the garden. Dust to dust. But yet each day we run around 
thinking that we can preserve this life of ours, right? We run to these things that we think will keep us safe. Yet too often, they fade. These people in our life, they fail us sometimes. These institutions, they don't hit the mark. The money runs out. And we recognize day after day that the scriptures are right. The things of this world are fleeting. They don't last us. So I believe David is starting to finally get this, that everything that we're running after is not leading us anywhere, and he's crying out, save me, oh my God. I see these holy people, and I love them because they delight in you, and then I see these others that are just worshiping the world and getting nowhere. And then it's like David has a shift, and he turns toward God. And he starts running toward him. And he's running and he's running and he's saying, you, my God, are my choice. You are my treasure. You are my sovereign. You are my counselor. You, oh God, you will save me from death. I'm not going to run to these places anymore because you, oh God, have canceled my ticket to hell. It's as if you can see David running back like the prodigal son, running back toward the father. You are the one. And he gets there and he's panting. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And it's as David, the hand of God, lifts up his head. And God Almighty looks at him. And David says, and in your face, there is joy upon joy upon joy. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. Because in you, David is saying, death has been defeated. You, O oh God, have saved me from this life of running in circles. Peter preached on Pentecost in Acts 2. And the sermon that he preached was this, Psalm 16. Using the words of David, Peter proclaims, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. But Jesus the Christ has risen from the dead. And David knew it. David said, in you, O oh God, you are the only path that I will run on. So I ask you this morning, what are you running to? Are you running toward life or are you running toward death? Because imagine how we would run if we really believed in the resurrection. If we really, really believed that Jesus the Christ conquered death, in him, we have been given free, abundant, joyful life where sin is no more. How would you be running? The word that David gives us this morning is to run toward him, 
In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who promises a life, a life abundant, life full of love and joy and peace and joy upon joy, he promises to us for all of us that run toward him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and lift up his countenance to you. May the Lord bless you and may he give us all the strength to run toward him. And all God's people said together, Amen. Go in peace.